0: Good morning and welcome to episode 12 of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you for being here. Today's guest is Margaret Nolan, who is the creative director from Denomination. Denomination is a design agency that specializes in the luxury beverage market. They are based out of Sydney, Australia, with offices in London and San Francisco, now, Margaret has been in this game, in the luxury drinks game, for over 30 years. So she knows her stuff. She is still a very hands on designer, loves leading her creative team, and she's super cool. So, enjoy.
1: Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie?
0: How are you, Margaret?
1: I'm very well, thank you, Dave.
0: Awesome. Briefly, tell the listeners about yourself.
1: Um, I am a designer who specializes in drinks packaging. Um, I've been working for about, I would say, 32 years. Um, I love typography. Um, Drinks packaging is my passion and um, it's something that every job is completely different and it never gets boring. So it's a fabulous industry to be in.
0: Awesome. That's exciting. And I quickly want to mention, where are you calling from today? Where are we connecting? Uh,
1: Sydney, Australia.
0: Sydney, Australia, and it is Thursday morning at 3.13 for you, Thursday morning,
1: or 10.13. At 10.15, and it's about 24 degrees outside, and we're just on the tail end of summer at the moment.
0: Oh, that's drastically different than what I'm experiencing. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your childhood like, and do you feel um, that? had a creative childhood.
1: I had a very creative childhood in that I have a lot of brothers and sisters who are also very creative. My um, elder sister is an artist. My um, brother is an architect. My other elder sister is an interior designer. And my father was very creative. So um, I spent a lot of time in his tool shed when I was little building and making things. And um, with my sister, my elder sister, um screen printing, um, drawing, always making things. Um, so, yes, it was a very creative childhood.
0: Very cool. That's fun. Uh, so take us back to when you first started noticing design, good design in the wild out there. Yes. What did you start seeing?
1: Um, I really actually, um, and I know this sounds crazy, um, I really started noticing design um, when I was a child, um, uh-huh. from reading really beautiful children's books, uh-huh. um, and I loved um, a, 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 an illustrator called John Birmingham, who had this book, and it was just called um, ABC, and he literally had um, illustrated the alphabet in the most beautiful way. And I still got the book, um, and it was as though children's books in the '60s um, had sort of discovered art in you know, a in a really wonderful way. So you have Eric. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the, the the Hungry Caterpillar and all of these Japanese artists who were coming through creating these very beautiful children's books that were not sort of simplistic um, childish drawings or anything like that. They're actually very sophisticated with the colour palettes and the layering and the way that they were done. And I've still got them all. They're really beautiful books. And so um, that was my first introduction really to uh, what I call design in a way. And I actually thought that I'd love to be a children's book illustrator when I was um, smaller And um, then when I left high school, um, I I went to a design course and we sort of had a foundation year. Um, And in the foundation year, we did lots of different things, like photography and typography and life drawing. and It was fantastic perspective drawing. um, And I really loved typography. So that was the sort of area that I went to focus in. When I left um, college, I got a job um, working in a design company that actually specialised in annual reports and print um, now, which is, most of the stuff is online. But in those days, it was a very, very big industry of producing annual reports and prospectuses and brochures and print work. So I sort of cut my teeth um, in the in the days when um, you still had to mark up galleys of type, do, do paragraph counts, character counts, all that kind of thing. So it was it was great. Um, Um, experience in learning about type and um, and then after that I went to work in London um, for a company called Lewis Mobley and the famous Mary Lewis who um, probably changed the way um, drinks packaging was designed in London because she's just an amazingly um, you know innovative and um, incredible designer so I worked with Mary for about seven and a half years and then came back to Sydney and started um, Denomination.
0: What a cool story oh man that's awesome. What's something that you wish you knew when you first started out in the creative field?
1: Um, I think that no matter how long you've been working for, it never gets easier. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Perfect. Well said.
1: If anything, um, I found it as, as a designer, that the more experience I've got, the actually harder I find it to, to do things. And I think that's probably because I've got a, a much um, stricter and tougher uh, assessment of my own work. Mm-hmm. Maybe when I was younger, I just thought, yeah, that's great, that's great, that's great. Now I'm older, I'm a lot more self-critical about what I do. So I do find it, I I sometimes wish I had the sort of gay abandon that I had when I was younger. But, you know, I, it's, it's as though, you know, I do say to my younger designers in the office, you know, don't think that it's easy. It's actually really hard. Um, and once you acknowledge that it's hard, you sort of kind of, you can sort of embrace the difficulty. And once you do that, you, you then start doing really good stuff. Um, um, yeah, I think that that's, I think there's a sort of perception that, you know, sometimes with designers that you can sort of just, you know, kick back with your headphones on, just one hand on a mouse and just go, is actually, especially with drinks designing, it's very intense. And it's very isolating sometimes because you have to spend a lot of time working on things like type and crafting and detail that isn't really a team thing. It's um, mm-hmm. just got to sit there and do it yourself. So Um, It's a probably um, more um, solitary form of design than, say, you know, working on corporate identities or, um, you know, other uh, forms of um, design because it is just about you sorting out um, real uh, visual design problems.
0: That's an interesting point. So acknowledge the difficulty of the task and, you know, that almost forces it to become the craft that it is. Yeah. Ah, very interesting. Yeah. So what has been the most influential design of your life so far? Either something you've seen or something you've been a part of?
1: Um, I probably think the most influential, um, I think there's been two. I think it was definitely my years at Lewis Mobley um, working with Mary Lewis. She taught me an amazing thing and, um, and I've never forgotten it. And I always work like this. She said, you know, when you come in in the morning, look at what you've done and you should be throwing most of it away. And, and I thought, wow, you know, how can you do that? I've spent all day yesterday doing this stuff. But yeah. looking at stuff with fresh eyes, you can instantly see what's not right, what's not working. But also the other thing is even if you've done something good, just put it to one side and then keep going. And and that is when you'll do something really great because I think the thing is, is a lot of designers, they think, oh, well, I've spent all this time, therefore I better show you know my creative director all this work because I need to sort of validate how much time I've spent. But also they get to a point where they've done something they like and then they relax and they go, oh, I love it, and then they stop because they've done it, they like it, but they've got to then put it to put it away and keep going. And that's when the really good stuff comes out and it's a very hard discipline to learn and that was the most invaluable advice I've ever had.
0: Mm-hmm. What about a project that uh, – a specific project for – a label or packaging or something like that, that really stuck with you?
1: Um, We did um, an amazing project for um, a Tasmanian champagne, um, was a sparkling wine called um, George Jensen. And what what it was all about was we had to come up with um, um, a range of packaging that was going to appeal to consumers who actually bought French champagne. Australians are the second largest consumer of French champagne in the world, believe it or not. Even though we have all of our own sparkling wines out of Australia, most consumers for Christmas and birthdays and special occasions will go and buy a bottle of French champagne, which is about $70 to $80. It's expensive. Mm -hmm. There's some very, very good Australian sparklings, but they struggle to get people to buy them, um, especially because they're usually priced at about $50. And so we were um, commissioned to do this project where, we had to come up with a design for something that would appeal to people who bought French champagne, but that was uniquely Australian and very different. Um, So we designed a bottle that had its own um, closure um, on the top that could be reusable, and it was done in beautiful um, um, chrome and an amazing sort of um, finish with George Jensen, who is a, a... jewellery and homewares designer, a very big Danish jewellery and homewares designer. Mm -hmm. And um, we did this collaboration with them so that what happens is, is that when you open the bottle of champagne, you can then put the closure on. It's like a stopper top, seals the champagne, and you can keep it in the fridge for up to three days. So you don't have to drink the whole bottle when you open it, which is a lot of the time, not for a lot of people, a problem, but, you know, if you just want to have a couple of glasses, then what do you do with the bottle of champagne? You can't close it again. So the George Jensen pack just became this absolute go-to for um, people buying it for gifts and for Christmas, which is exactly the sort of occasion that people buy champagne. Yep. When they launched it, it sold out on shelf the first day. They couldn't keep up with the supply. Um, and um, and it was really exciting working on something like that because it was very, very innovative. Um it was fantastic actually working um, as, on in some industrial designers in how this stopper was going to work and how it was actually going to keep the champagne or the sparkling wine um, uh, fresh for that long and then obviously then working with the team from George Jensen to make sure that the aesthetic of it, because I designed the stopper and, um, you know, the aesthetic of it sort of fit in with them. So that was very exciting. That was a really exciting project actually. It really was a beautiful project.
0: That's a unique one for sure. Yeah. So, I want to talk about social media. Yes, has social media changed graphic design or the process of design, and do you feel that it's beneficial or harmful
1: um, look i think I think it's it's amazing um, that uh, how everything is at your fingertips i think it's uh-huh. it's incredible seeing what people are doing. Um, I think there is a really big temptation for a lot of designers to just get onto Pinterest or whatever and uh, get onto Instagram. I mean, it's it's really interesting how um, at in, on one side Instagram can can open up the world of a whole lot of illustrators or um, you know artists or you know people you might want to use on a project that you would never normally find. I think it's an incredible tool to find people. Mm-hmm. Um, the second the uh, the other part of it is it's everything is so instant and quick and whatever, and um, you tend to sort of forget there's lots of other resources out there that you can use. And, and and I think that that is the thing that is difficult is, is trying to persuade, especially younger designers, to just to move into different resources when they're researching something rather than um, looking on social media because that's their first port of call is just to go on Instagram, you know. And um, I get it, but it's yeah. no, it's a for me, it's a, a a nice kind of information thing, but it's not really where I go to get deep ideas or anything like that.
0: Gotcha. Who is a designer or a brand that you look up to or closely follow? And what is it about them that you like?
1: Um, what's a brand I closely follow? Um, I, as far as designers go, it's interesting. I, I really love um, uh, designers uh, such as architects who do, um, there's a Japanese architect called Tadeo Ando And I love his work. It's it's very beautiful. It's very simple, but it has these really incredibly powerful ideas in there. He did this beautiful church in Japan, which is a very, very thick concrete wall at the end of the church. And it has this tiny, tiny slit in the concrete that is just the shape of a cross. So when the light comes through, it, it, forms this amazing iridescent glow just by using the form of, of the um, architecture which is just incredible I love I love things like that um, as far as graphic designers look there are so many designers out there that um, I sort of um, i struggle to sort of go oh, I really identify with that designer and I love that yeah. there's, there's, I love elements of lots and lots of different people's work mm-hmm. but I tend to sort of Um, look at outside graphics for for my inspiration. I've always sort of looked at different things like architecture or fashion or artists or, you know, all that kind of thing. Uh, uh, As far as art goes, um, Andy Goldsworthy for me was a very influential artist when I first saw his work. I loved the way he was um, interacting with, um, you know, natural forms and shapes and just creating these incredible things and, um, and just um, I also love a, an artist called um, Bill Viola who's an installation artist and his, his works are really, really powerful. And I, what I find interesting about art is that how you can sort of communicate a message without any words. And I think that that is a um, really, really good thing to learn in, in packaging design, mm-hmm. how do you capture an emotion before you've even put a brand on there, before you've even put any type or or information on the pack, so that's that's kind of why I love looking at art and 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 um and getting inspiration from from them.
0: Oh, I love that! I love that answer. So, how do you gauge if your designs are resonating with their intended audience?
1: Um, well, because we work um, we work in uh, a lot of um, wine, spirits, spirit. beer. Uh, predominantly I'd say 70% of our work is in the wine industry, mm-hmm. um, we get straightaway feedback from our clients about how sales are going. I mean, it is literally just, you know, that it is at the forefront of, in a way, you're designing something that a consumer has to pick up and buy. And I think the thing in the wine industry, and especially in Australia, it's probably like that in Canada and in the in West Coast of the States, is that you can walk into a wine shop and there's like 10,000 labels in there. Um, you don't yeah. really see 10,000 whiskey brands altogether or 10,000 gin brands, but it's the equivalent of going into a bookshop. It's the same thing. It's like you, you just you just boggle-eyed with, with choice. So what you've got to do with that label is tell the story of the wine, tell the story of the brand. So someone just looking on a shelf can sort of get drawn into it enough to pick it up. And then um, we always say to our winemakers, you um, you Know we can get someone to pick it up and we can get someone to buy it, but you guys have got to get them to buy it again. So it's the kind of magic combination of a great label, the wine has to be great, and the price has to be really good as well. And that kind of is what makes r- really successful brands. It's the sort of magic triangle, if you like. But you know, it's, 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 I think there's only sort of things like a record store. Um, a bookstore and a wine store, that they are all things where people are faced with a phenomenal choice, all of the same product, if you like. And that is a very unusual um, uh, environment to be designing in. So um, we always just get um, uh, uh, sales feedback from our clients about how successful their brands are. And that's really rewarding um, when they are really successful. It's um, it's absolutely fantastic. You know, that for me is a is the ultimate accolade of someone um, really loving your design work.
0: Definitely. So then take us to a design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. And what was that like?
1: Oh, I'm just trying to think. It did not go well. I'm just trying to think. I think sometimes what happens is is that you can um, get projects where Uh, A lot of people are involved and that is actually um, when things don't go so well. (laughs) Yes. the classic design by committee. I think that the the issue is is with clients you have to have a very strong idea about what your objectives are. As Mm -hmm. soon as you try and say, I want to, you know, target millennials and I want to target baby boomers and I want to target people who are in nursing homes and I want to target basically everybody and I don't really have an idea and I don't really have a story and I don't really, you know, the wines has come from everywhere or whatever. You are not going to make a successful brand because you have to have something strong to start with that you can um, talk about to consumers.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, I think that some of the, the projects that we've worked on that haven't been as successful um, tended to be ones where they were very diluted down from the original um, spec as far as, um, you know, You know, the wine was meant to come from, say, it was from a single vineyard, then it was coming from Australia, then all of a sudden, hey, we're just going to source it from all over the world and it's just a big tank and it's it lost the um, original promise of what it was meant to be like. Mm-hmm. And, and then what happened is in the design process, you know, we were designing to positioning and then the positioning changed but the designs didn't change and then it was just, it, it just ended up being, oh, you know, you could just tell that the whole thing is sort of dragging along and not going in a direction that really resulted with, with a you know, a product that was going to appeal to people. You know, look, it wasn't like it was bad. It just wasn't very good, you know, and, mm. uh, and I think that what we try and do is just create brands that are really successful, like really memorable very distinctive that are different that if you had to do the elevator pitch that's what we say to our clients what's the elevator pitch tell me in a really quick thing what is it about this brand and Mm -hmm. they can't do that we have to help them do that because that's what we designed to 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 actually express what the elevator pitch is if you like
0: for sure yes designed by committee very dangerous yes um, what piece of advice would you offer to new design grads looking to learn or make their mark in the industry?
1: Oh, look, I think, um, I think, you know, very basic things like if you want to get in touch with people, just do a little bit of research about the company that you're getting in touch with, find out the name of the person. <laughs> I get a lot of um, very impersonal emails sent to me like D, Sir, Madam." Um, it really, really makes a difference when you think, oh, this person's actually, um, you know, read about my business, gone onto our website, seeing what we do, suggested how they could fit into our business. I know it sounds really corny, but you do have to work really hard at even trying to get through the door for an interview. Um, mm-hmm. I think what's really helpful is, um, especially for someone like me, um, if someone sends me an email, just send you a PDF of a sample with that email. So I look at it all at once rather than saying, send me an email. Would you like me to send the PDF through? So I go, yes. And, you know, it's so the whole sort of agonising process. Just, just make it short, sharp, you know, five top things, a little bit about yourself. Um, don't make it too complicated. Don't send, you know, 65 meg files through. It's happened many, many times. Yeah. Don't ask people to go on to very complicated animated websites don't have time i think that that's the thing is just imagine you've got like 30 seconds um i'm clicking through i'm just going boom 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 i think wow that person's good that looks good that looks good or yes no whatever that that is the amount of time that a lot of very busy creatives have especially assessing and looking at um graduates work um just make it easy for people who are very busy that's my advice basically
0: respect that what's Next in graphic design, do you see any emerging trends?
1: Ooh, um, I see a lot of emerging trends with things like um, 3D printing and printing techniques, especially in, um, in what, where we were involved in a lot of working um, using glass. Mm-hmm. Very, very different, amazing new um, techniques, finishes, things coming out um, for um, embellishment in glass which is really really interesting i think Mm -hmm. um as far as um where we are going the more sustainable the better um we're really interested in trying to develop you know um uh capsules and 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 labels that are able to be fully recycled because a lot of them have got a lot of very plasticky stocks and they're they're not able to be recycled you know like even though you dutifully put your glass into a recycling bin Mm -hmm most of the things that are stuck onto that glass means it's very difficult for them to recycle it. Mm -hmm. Um, Lightweight um, products so that they don't um, cost a lot to ship and they keep down the carbon, um, you know, sort of um, footprint. And also for us, um, just very much things like, um, you know, things that can be reusable. I think that's um, a really big movement. I've seen lots of beautiful olive oils Mm -hmm. doing that where you do the initial outlay, um, and they spend more on, say, like a really incredible bespoke olive oil container. And then you just go and buy the rest of them in pouches and, and do a refill, which is, um, I think, a really nice way to go. Because it's actually you're buying something that is lovely to have at home, but also um, the pouch refills and everything are just much more environmentally friendly.
0: Yeah. Reusable packaging and also yeah. secondary use packaging. something Yeah. Secondary, something that, yeah. Yeah, secondary yeah. use is big. Yeah. It's a big movement. Um, what is one design, product, tool, website, community, or something that you just could not live without?
1: Um, maps on my phone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so true.
1: <laughs> I know that sounds dumb. I just I've literally just come back from Berlin, and um, it was so phenomenal to you know walk around this huge city, but I didn't speak German, and I was trying to navigate the underground and all of that kind of stuff, and I could not have done it without my um, at map app on my phone and I just realized just how unbelievably um, uh, reliant I am now especially how it's given me a freedom to travel because I have the confidence to go places I don't know where I'm going and I don't speak the language but if I've got my map app I know I can get home okay and it's um it's only because I've just done a trip that to me is just wow you know <laughs> I'm still I'm still really blown away especially because you can you know It tells you how to get their public transport, how far to walk, what the weather's like, where the traffic is. It's absolutely brilliant. I mean, it's a a brilliant app, yeah.
0: So for the travelling creative or for the freelance nomad, definitely Maps.
1: Yeah, I think so. Especially, I mean, um, I've used them so many times. There was one time where my husband and I were in Tokyo. We were literally 45 metres away from each other in this really, really crowded part of the center of Tokyo, but we couldn't find where we were. And, and we had to sort of almost get on a map and just, and just locate each other. And it was just incredible. Um, you know, it, it does, they really help you out of difficult situations when you've got your maps.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's great. Awesome. That's the last question that I have for you.
1: Perfect. Thank you, Dave.
0: You did awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Margaret.
1: That's a pleasure.
0: All right. It's Dave, your host, is hopping in at the end here. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Margaret from Denomination Design. Definitely check out their Instagram, denomination.design. They have some beautiful work, beautiful packaging, beautiful labels. I like looking at it. So uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for spending some time here. Take care.